Goosebumps number 38, The Abominable Snowman of Pasadena by R.L. Stein. He's no fun in the sun. Forget Frosty. Jordan Blake and his sister Nicole are sick of the hot weather in Pasadena. And just once they'd like to have a real winter. A real winter with a real snow. And then it happens. The Blakes are off to Alaska. Seems that Mr. Blake has been asked to photograph a mysterious snow creature dead. Poor Jordan and Nicole. They just wanted to see snow. But now they're being chased by a monstrous creature. A big, furry-faced creature known as the Abominable Snowman. Listener beware, you're in for a scare. Nice kiss. They're gonna love Dark Falls. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to Welcome to Deadcast. Welcome. Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. I'm Daniel Montgomery. <laughs> I'm Matthew Scott Montgomery. And we love Goosebumps. <laughs> we love Goosebumps more than anything in the world. Isn't that right, child? <laughs> 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 That's right. We are in Pasadena right now. Mm-hmm. No, um, we're actually in West Hollywood right we're now. We're in West Hollywood. But, but we're not far from Pasadena. We're in Pasadena. Okay, stop. I'll totally stop. It Was this your first introduction to Pasadena? I think so. And I think this was probably my first introduction to California. Oh, um, here we come. M- maybe. Yeah, because like... Oh, wow. A lot of this book is all about oh, like... Wow. Um, uh, they really, or R.L. Stein really beats you over the head with it at the beginning of it. Where it's Ow, like, my head. It's like California, California. We're in California where there's never seasons. Oh, California. I also have a theory about this book, you guys. I've got so, a theory. I've got a theory. It um, doesn't matter. Uh, what can't we face? Um, this is the all musical episode of Welcome to Deadcast. I'm just kidding. They're all all musical episodes. Um, uh-huh. uh, you know, I, I read in an interview that R.L. Stein comes up with the titles first. We've said this before. And then he comes with comes up with the um the plot after that this book a reeks of him having a title and then working for 120 something pages trying to justify the idea of this title do yes. you agree girl i agree yeah i will say that um uh i really really was excited by and loved the first two-thirds of this book and then, and then it goes so far off the rails that i that it makes me mad i think you guys will have fun listening to this episode because the last 20 pages may be the worst 20 pages of the goosebump series we've read so far maybe that that might be true it, it might be true it also has one of the worst endings ever and it just kind of it just pisses all of our hospitality by the end of it do you know what i mean where it's like it sets up this really great kind you of don't fun piss idea. on hospitality that's true um so I, I hope you guys have fun um 
listening to this episode that I um, based on a book that I gave a D when I reread it, and I think I think I'd give it a, a D, maybe a, good a old solid D, maybe a D plus or a C minus. But um, join us, won't you? That was my Karina Longworth um, impersonation. Um, and if you guys are listening and aren't in California, just spend some time with us in in Pasadena for the next hour. Or if, if you're in Alaska, Ooh, it's hot. We we go from Alaska. Whatever, Daniel, you talk. So let's talk about the cover of this book. That's first right. And foremost. Get us back on track, Daniel. So the the colors for this book are dirty brown. Yeah, dirty poop brown. Um, downtown Georgia brown and sky blue. I mean, it's like a it's a pretty dark tan, I would say. Yeah, and the and cover a of the faded book- eggshell dark. Baby blue. That's, yeah, that's a terrible yeah, description. It, no, I was actually going to say baby blue and eggshell in there. Um, oh, well, there good. was a re-release cover that they have that the abominable snowman has bright, glowing pink skin, and he's kind of that has cover's like, too crowded. Yeah, it's a crowded, messy cover with it's kind of like with neon blue I hair. Don't steam. The cover of the book features an abominable snowman on a on a California street next to a mailbox and a lamp post. He's actually like yanking a street light out of the ground angrily with snow pouring off his shoulders. And, and there's a palm, palm tree trees in the and mountains in the background because you know our like ass is in pasadena there's like a pink sort of wall behind him it's it's a pretty cool cover i, I think. will say that the t-, t jacobus or tim jacobus did a good job of translating the 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 snow monster into an image it does look very close to what's described in the book I yes feel like. the only thing that i thought was interesting in the book they describe him as having thick white lips yeah I haven't that seen... was such a terrifying addition to. Oh yeah, I haven't seen white lips in a very long time. Um, this is the um, the only like abominable snowman. Like I feel like as a horror archetype that we get in the Goosebumps series. However, um, a few books from now we have Beware the Snowman, which I which I think handles the the scare of the cold much better than this book. Does. I love Beware the but Snowman. This book really isn't about the cold, is it? It's about the heat. It's about the ooh the. Hot. Um, our our protagonist is Jordan Blake. He's 12 years old. Of course, he lives in Pasadena. I feel like I'm going to sneeze at some point during this. Okay, just and look I'm into just the gonna... light. <laughs> oh, no. Daniel's getting a cold. Oh, no. I'm getting sad. <laughs> I'm fine. It's just a quick sneeze. Yeah. And... Jordan and his sister, Nicole, you know, they live with their dad in Pasadena. Their parents are divorced. The mom has just moved to Philadelphia. I thought this, well, I was going to say, I think it's really fun that the parents are divorced. Yeah, divorce is fun. It actually, this is the first Goosebumps book where we've had divorce in it whatsoever. It's progressive. Yeah, it's it's really progressive for 1995. That's right. This 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 book came out in December 1995. Feeling the cold. Uh, Jordan is 12. His sister is a year younger, but she has skipped a grade. And now, she, because she's so, so smart. We've got annoying little sister on lock for this book. <laughs> Check. And there's both... some redheads coming up too. No That's bats, true. but redheads coming up. They're both tan. Um, he has brown hair with blonde streaks. So he's basically how I wanted to be in high school. Yeah, pretty much. And his sister is, her hair is blonde, but she spends so much time in the pool. It's turned green because of the chlorine. Jovial Bob really beats us over the head with like California references. I feel like, and he kind of like, it kind of like dumbs down Pasadena where it made made me think like, has Arlstein ever been to California? Or is he just like talking about it as like a stereotype? Mm -hmm. Maybe in 1995, this is what Pasadena was Uh. like, but like the kind of description that Arlstein gives, it makes it sound like it's this perfect paradise where everyone's in a movie and it's sunny 24 hours a day and it's super hot all the time. 
But I got news for you, girl. Like, if you're here in California, especially, like, in December, January, when this book is supposed to take place over winter, it doesn't get all that hot. I mean, I guess it doesn't get all that cold, but it's never, like, 90 degrees. You know what I mean? It's always, like, 75. I know, but I also feel like now in Los Angeles and California... At least, because we we both have lived here for quite a while now, yeah. And I've definitely definitely noticed a significant change in the weather. Are you talking about climate change? I think I am. I'm thinking. I think I'm talking about global warming. Oh, okay, cool. So maybe back in 1995, it was all hot all the time. I don't know. I'm not okay. a scientist. You're so, not a photographer like Mr. Blake Garrison Blake. So. Yes, their dad is a, a photographer, like a nature photographer. And the book starts off with them in the dark the dark room, like behind their house or something. And they're staying with their dad to finish out the school year. After the parents got divorced, the mom moved in with her new husband to this house in Pennsylvania. Oh, is it with her new husband? Yeah, I think so. I thought, I th- I, well, she, either way, she's at a new, she's in a new house in, um, in, uh, I thought so. Maybe I just inferred that. Uh, in P- Pennsylvania, and hmm, I don't see it here. Jordan and Nicole have recently seen pictures of her, the mom's new house, where there's no even furniture even set up, where there's her new house and there's snow everywhere. And Jordan's like, "Oh man, it sucks living in California because it's always hot and perfect. I love All to I want see is some snow, 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 please." And the dad has just gotten back from a trip to Wyoming, where he took some pictures of some brown bears, and, and they're like, "Oh, dad, did it snow?" And he says, "Yes, of course it did." They said, "Ah, shoot!" They're like, "Ah, oh, daddy, 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 please." Please, tell but us they about had to the stay snow. with Mrs. Witchens, they call this her. This is such a hilarious detail, by the way. Her name is actually Mrs. Hitchens, but she like stays but at the house with the kids. they call her Mrs. Witchens. Like, uh, it sucks that we had to stay with Mrs. Witchens. We should have come and seen the bears in the snow with you, Dad. <laughs> and as he's sort of, um, they're in, the, they're in the dark room, and he's developing pictures. He's like, well, well, well kids, I'd love to show you some pictures of the, of the bears that I took. And that's probably what the TV version, if there's no television episode for this um, for this book as yeah because they could there could there's be no one. way they could have been like that's probably what the dad would sound like if they had cast him like jimmy stewart dad yes and he starts showing them photo- photos of the bears but it's pictures of teddy bears instead of the bones and he says this is crazy the I these are all pictures bears? of teddy bears and then jordan laughs and laughs it was all a trick oh. you see jordan took his dad's camera and used a bunch of the film to take pictures of teddy bears as a fool as a joke i was only fooling are there kids that exist in the world slash goosebumps books that either don't beat other kids up or scare them or play practical jokes i don't know i i don't like kids yeah that's true so dad's like kind of mad at first and then kind of laughs and is like, and Nicole's like, I would never do something like that. And Nicole's like we said before, misses know it all. And she like is constantly throughout this entire book, like correcting everyone and giving everyone dumb trivia or teaching them things. And everyone's like, shut up, Nicole, Miss Factoid. And the dad's like, that's okay. It's fun to play pranks. And I'm going to tell this terrible story. Yes, that the please, dad please tells. do. It. You guys just da- kick up and kick back and relax and then kick up. And then the, the, dad, the dad says, you see, I've played some good tricks in my time. I had a friend that was also a photographer. And I set him up with a meeting with this amazing editor. And I worked with this editor. And she and I came to, you know, sort of went behind this guy's back to fool him real good. So when that photographer went in to meet with the editor, he 
He was like, here, here are pictures of the gorillas that I took. And she said, what? These aren't pictures of gorillas. These are people in gorilla. This is, th- these are pictures of people in gorilla suits. I can tell the difference. Why did you take pictures of people in gorilla suits? And the photographer guy was like, oh no, I've been living in wherever for six months taking pictures of gorillas and it turns out there are people in suits the whole time. And How could I have been says, so stupid? The editor says, ah, I'm just kidding. Those are actually real gorillas. That's just a trick that I was playing on you with Garrison Blake. Oh wow, the Blakes really know how to pull a good trick. Isn't that the weirdest thing you've ever heard? I did at least appreciate in the first like 10 pages of this book, there's a bunch of like fully rounded details about all the characters in it, whether it's mom or dad or Mrs. Witchens or Jordan or That's Nicole. That's true. We do get a good amount of that, more so than a lot of I'm telling you, just, just like I said before, this book sets itself up to be like an epic Spielberg kind of movie, to be completely honest. Oh, it really do. Uh, the Abominable Snowman as a creature is featured so heavily in the movie. In fact, it's like the first big, like real monster that you see in the movie. And if you guys have seen the movie, there's a whole sequence at an ice rink where you're being chased by this angry Abominable Snowman. And the Abominable Snowman is is at least five times bigger in the movie than it's really supposed to be. I yeah, think. that's true. Yeah, and at least. Also, I read this online, and this might be a lie. In fact, it kind of sounds like one. What? But during one of the uh, in in one of the drafts of the movie, they changed the abominable snowman to the abominable snow woman instead, and made it a snow woman of Pas- of Pasadena, and they called her Abby. What? What? And apparently she, at some point in the movie, she tries to eat Slappy because she thinks Slappy is a Pez dispenser. But then, I don't know, doesn't that sound like a lie? That sounds like some crap is what that sounds like. Anyway, just more stuff about the movie that I'm not crazy about. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, yes, all snow women, but that has literally nothing to do with anything from any of the books. No, I don't know if, like, the push for diversity should come with the abominable snowman in Pasadena. You right? know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. So, anyway, um, Dad's like, let me finish developing my photos. You go outside in the backyard. And then and he's like, like we're oh, going to so go out for hot. a big dinner to celebrate these pictures of the brown bears. So, let's go out to dinner a little bit and don't get all mussed up and dirty because we're having dinner soon. So, they're like, oh, it's so hot. And they go to their, uh, nah. they go to their neighbor Lauren Sachs's house. Um, I used to have this girl that I had a crush on in fourth grade. Her name was Kendra Sachs. And one time in class, I like... I, I remember making a turn of phrase to, I was trying to say like Kendra sucks, like Kendra's lame. Like, you know, if you like pick on a girl you have a crush on or a boy you have a crush on. And I was like, Kendra sacks. I remember Nathan Astle, literally his last name, thought I said Kendra sex and he told on me and I got in trouble. Anyway, so Lauren Sachs is their next door neighbor. <laughs> She's tall and muscular, muscular with long brown hair and bangs. And she has a high nasally voice. Got it? And she's hanging out under a palm tree in her backyard as she's you do. She's hanging out. And she's like, oh, it's supposed to be winter. Why is it so hot? And and, and they Jordan all look directly at the camera and say, it's so hot in here at California. And then Jordan all, all of a sudden feels a sharp cold sting on his back. And it's, it turns out it was a popsicle, a purple popsicle he's been stabbed with a popsicle by the miller twins kyle and kara they're 13 twins with pug noses beady little eyes and short cropped red hair and they carry they always carry twin red red or i guess i should say red twin super soakers around with them so you know they're total bullies it's like we we've gone like what a book without any bullies 
and their dad works for a movie studio and they always brag about it and say they know they say they know Arnold Schwarzenegger it's so funny it's like there's this one like hysterically dated reference where like Kyle I think with his um super soaker kind of flips it around like a fancy movie move with like a big power gun or whatever he's like Arnold taught me that move and it's like <laughs> so you know Jordan's shirt is like a little is ruined and he's wearing a white polo pop shirt pop, pop stick popsicle and he and Kyle's like oh no we'll clean it off for you and they start spraying him down with the soap super soakers and spray all of them with their super soakers and the more or less we just have this all-out war fight between Kyle Kara Lauren Jordan and Nicole in the backyards it goes which sounds crazy. equal parts actually parts of it sounded really fun to me but other parts sounded like wow like again 50s kids bully violence yeah and Kyle and Kara have like switch the handlebars on their bikes and like unscrewed the handlebars and screwed them back on backwards and it becomes like a straight up um brawl and at one point jordan and kyle are wrestling and kyle pins him down and kara picks up this huge rock and drops it onto jordan's head but the rock bounces right off his head because it's just a movie prop. It's a fake rock made out of sponge that they got from their dad's movie studio or whatever. What? What? And as this is happening, the dad shows up, Mr. Blake shows up, ignores the fight completely and says, you guys, you guys, I have great news. I've just been asked to fly to Alaska to take pictures for Wilderness Magazine. (gasps) What? And he said, and I I just called Mrs. Hitchens to see if she can stay with you kids because I'm going to be gone. And they're like, oh no. Not Mrs. Witchens again. Witchens. Witchens. And Mr. Blake says, but she actually isn't available, so I guess you're going to have to go with me. And they're like, what? We get to go to Alaska? we get we finally get to see snow and jordan jumps up and down and says yes we finally get to see snow snow it won't be long before we'll all be there with snow snow and they say well what's the special assignment daddy and he says that he's like wilderness magazines want, wants me to track down a strange creature and take pictures pictures of him he's the abominable snowman <gasps> and he, I, he says i know i can get great pictures of him and i can take pictures of the alaskan tundra and lauren says do what's a tundra and nicole says i'll tell you what a tu- what tundra is and everyone goes oh who cares she's like it's actually derived from the russian word that means and jordan's like put a sock in it and um as dad starts to leave the fight starts up again i love that the dad completely ignores it he he ignores a lot lots of things in this book yeah the dad's kind of morally questionable in this book to be completely honest kind of yeah he's very morally questionable so the fight starts up again. It turns into a super soaker chase as like Nicole grabs Kara's gun and like they run back into the Blake's backyard and Nicole is running backwards and shooting at Kara. And she doesn't even see the giant compost heap that the Blakes have in their backyard. And Nicole slips and falls into the compost you, heap. I'm not even sure. What is a compost heap? Compost heap is like instead of throwing away your food, you put it in the backyard in a clump and it sort of, um, you know, like disintegrates and de- biodegrades. The biodegrade is not the right word at all. Um, it just sort of, you For know. For what's the point though? 
It's like a, it's, it's like something, it's like the green thing to do. Oh, okay. Anyway, so Nicole falls into the compost heap. Jordan is soaked and has a purple stain on the back of his white polo from the popsicle stab. And the dad comes outside and goes, you guys ready to eat? Oh, uh, compost heap um, compost is a key ingredient in organic farming. At the simplest level, the process of composting simply requires making a heap of wetted organic matter known as green waste, such as leaves and food waste, and waiting for the materials to break down into humus after a period of weeks or months. What a California thing to do, only in Pasadena. Um, so... That's that. Next thing you know, we're in a tiny little plane. Yeah, next thing we know, we're like, okay, cool, guys. See you, Pasadena. We'll see you later. And it's just uh, Nicole Jordan and Mr. Blake and a pilot flying over uh, Alaska, landing on a tiny little airstrip in a town called Iknek, Alaska. With all the, like, hype about, like, finally seeing snow, I thought we were going to get more of a satisfaction of, like, really exploring the snow. But, but and Jordan does talk about it. He's kind of like, and I looked down, I saw snow for miles, and it glittered and cool. Oh, I want to wash my hands, my face, and hair with snow. Yeah, and that's about it. He was more, I think he's more excited about now finding the abominable snowman. He was like, I wonder if we can see footprints from up here if they're that big (gasps) and it turns out they are going to be staying in this little cabin way out in the tundra and basically on the the plane the little plane flight nicole and jordan sort of spar back and forth with each other nicole saying a bunch of smart alecky things and making smart they're being obnoxious kids and the dad just like completely ignores them to be completely honest and she's like dad do you know how to use a compass father dad dad he's like we don't need one we have a guide named arthur maxwell who's supposed to meet us at the airport and he will guide us to the musher's cabin because the cabin the cabin is usually reserved for mushers that you know that mush and mush all their mush, mush and mush, mush potatoes and mush um dogs and sleds and ride around and yell mush 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 and as they're landing jordan's like oh my god i see it i see the abominable snowman because there's this big white figure ahead of him and he screams and screams and screams oh to see a great big man entirely made of snow and it turns out it's not the abominable snowman it's just a polar bear statue because that's the symbol of the town the pilot says oh jordan you and your pranks and jordan's like yeah it was a prank i i i knew it was a prank and they get off the plane and dad has packed this you guys huge heavy red supply trunk with all their stuff in it we later find out that the trunk is six feet long and five feet wide can your asses think about how big of a trunk that is i thought it was six feet by three feet but what did i just say you said six by you said six by five. Oh, i meant six by three sorry still that's huge yeah it's a crazy? huge trunk, and they're like, um, what is all this stuff? This He's is like, also kind of the moment where I was expecting him to hop off the plane and run around and play in the snow, but that doesn't really happen. Snow! It doesn't. 
they just get off the plane and they walk to the little airport which, which is, is just a tiny wooden house with two rooms yes and they run into this tall brawny man with dark hair leathery skin and a thick beard and he's wearing a gray parka hung over a flannel shirt and deerskin pants. And he didn't know that there was going to be kids there. This so is when Arthur. He's... This is Arthur Maxwell, their guide. Yeah, so Arthur, 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 um, our conscience, our guide, is is not thrilled because I presumably Mr. Garrison Blake just failed to mention that he's bringing his two 12-year-old kids and, to the Arctic tundra. And he says, well, I think, I think they're 12 and 11, actually. But um, he says... I, th- I swear I told you. And Arthur's like, no, you didn't. And they start walking through the town and dragging this trunk. By the way, the, the town is just like one road, which is two blocks with a bunch of snow and a few wooden buildings. And that's it. That's Icknack. And the dad says, how far is town from here? And Arthur's like, this is town. You're looking at it, Mr. So they, just, they stop to have a hot lunch at Betty's. They have cheeseburgers and Betty's. And Arthur tells them that they will be walking 10 miles through the tundra to get to the cabin and they'll have four dogs that will pull us pull their stuff on a sled i think what's implied here or maybe it's just said is that because there's dumb old stupid kids there and because his trunk is so big that originally it was going to be like arthur and mr blake on a sled that the four dogs were going to carry but now since they have this huge ass trunk and these dumb ass kids they asses have to walk oh i like that explanation because it seems that seems pretty far yeah but i think i think that's that's like, well, this is what we have to do now because we only got one sled and four dogs. Yeah. So at, at lunch, they're asking Arthur a bunch of questions about the abominable snowman and the monster. And he's like very annoyed and very slow to answer them, if at all. But this is for me where it starts to get cinematic and kind of frightening because Arthur's about to tell some actually to me genuine, genuine, terrorizing stories. He says, I have some stories. A couple people in town. Yeah, I got some stories. They've seen the monster. They've seen the monster. Out by the big snow ridge. Beyond the mushers cabin, where we're staying, they say he's big, big <laughs> and covered with brown fur. You might think he's a bear, but he's not. He walks on two feet like a man. And 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 Dad's like, uh, well, it's my job to find him and take pictures if he even exists. And he says he exists, all right. Friend of mine, another musher, he was out in the blizzard one day. He ran smack into the snow monster. The monster picked up one of the dogs and made off with him. And my friend chased after him, trying to get the dog back, but he never found him. But he could hear the dog whining, pitiful howls. Whatever happened to that dog, it sounded pretty bad. And Nicole's like, well, he's probably a carnivore, a meat eater. Most animals shut around up, here are. Shut up, Nicole. There's, there's so little vegetation. Shut the, shut up, Nicole. So, like, Jordan's, Jordan's starting to get scared. Nicole thinks she's in class. Arthur's trying to warn their asses of danger. And, like, Mr. Blake is, like, so oblivious. And, like, whatever. I just got to make money. And he, he continues and says, My friend came back to town. He and another guy went out to try and capture the snow monster. Darn foolish, if you ask me. They never came back. They never came back. <laughs> and, he's, and Dad's like, well, maybe they got lost in the tundra. Yeah, the dad's like, huh, you're, you're making stuff and up, and Mr. Says, Max. Those two knew what they are doing. The monster killed them. That's what happened. 
hypened. And Nicole's like, well, has anyone else seen this monster? And he says, yeah, a couple of TV people from New York, they heard about what happened to my friend and came to town to investigate. They sent out into the Tantra. They never came back either. We found one of them frozen to death in a block of ice. Ooh. And, they, and, and they say, he says, who knows what became of the other? Then Mrs. Carter, she lives at the end of Main Street. She saw the snow monster a few days later. She was looking through her telescope and spied him out in the tundra. He was chewing on bones, she said. Don't believe me? Go ask her yourself. He was chewing on bones. See, this? So when I was reading this, I was like, ooh, this is like frozen and spooky and scary and these stories are terrifying and he says anybody who chases after the monster doesn't return (gasps) and dad's like that's cool i don't care i got a radio transmitter in case anything goes wrong here you go kids let's go run around outside Woo! so they start a walking through the snow and i have a question for you matthew yeah as they're walking through the next 10 miles they go walking in the snow it's. I, I want to know what you think of what it looks like because in I my think mind, I, I think I know what you're about to say. Is it just like a barren, barren snow landscape with nothing around for ten miles? Okay, so what's described here is they're about. They asses are about to walk for like a really long time, and what Arl Stein describes through Jordan's eyes is that like all you see is white, like the sky kind of bleeds into the ground, and it's just like everything oh, is I'm white. <laughs> so when I was reading this. I was reading what the words were given me and uh, given to me, and I was imagining it as all pure white. However, later, shortly in a little bit, they go to look for like firewood at some point, and I was like, "Are there trees around? Like, I guess there That's are." What, because at, you know, there's not much a descript, not much of a description of the landscape. But I was like, "Are they walking through a forest or no? It's like a tundra with." some trees every now and then well if are they following a road how do they know where they're going what does it look like i need help i don't know i guess like a compass or something like that but i'm going to take it at arlstein's face value and they're just walking blindly through the white and we assume that arthur knows where they're going where they're going somehow well all right they're having fun as they're walking through the snow and nicole and jordan are like throwing snowballs at each other making snow snow angels. angels and they have four alaskan huskies that are dragging the um giant giant trunk on the sled and their names are Binko, Rocky, Tintin, and Lars. Although the only one we really get to know is Lars. And Dad is meanwhile taking nonstop pictures of everything. He'll do anything for a good picture, even murder his kids. <laughs> so Nicole and Jordan are chasing each other, and Jordan's like sort of running backwards because he doesn't want, I don't know, Nicole to run to hit forwards. Him with snowballs or whatever. <laughs> and Nicole's like, stop, no, you can't go any further. And he was like, oh, she's only fooling. And then Jordan ends up falling, thud, landing hard on his back. In the snow, and he looks up, and he realizes that he's, he's fallen at least 20 feet into a a crevice, a ravine. With icy walls. In the middle of the snowy tundra with icy blue frozen walls. So he should have broken a couple bones, don't you Well, think? I was thinking about this, and I was trying to imagine it. If 20 he, feet is not a short distance. I know, but if you landed in some really puffy, soft snow down there, you know what I mean? All right, let's go with that. Also, this is a book for ages 8 to 12. All right, fine. So he's stuck down there for a little while and is like, help, help me, please. And then Arthur throws down a rope. And I thought th- I thought that was interesting. He throws down a rope with a knot at the end of it. And Jordan just like hangs onto the rope. And my thought was like, and they just pull him up. He and the dad pull Jordan up. And I think that must have been really tough. I thought, why don't you like make, like wrap it around your body or make a little seat, tie a little seat. 
you know not just he was like my, he said he was like as they're pulling me up i felt like my arms and shoulders were gonna pop Don't you out think of it would be sockets. hard to make like a little seat out of rope like that when you're wearing mittens and it's negative 10 degrees outside and make a little seat yeah i don't know what i'm saying yeah I don't know. I was trying guys. to imagine it a while because he says like the walls of the the crevice that he falls into are so slick and slippery and blue glowing kind of blue ice. And him trying to help Arthur and his dad help him up was, was not really helpful at all because it, the, the, the walls are too slick and slippery. I was like, ooh, this is, this is a dangerous environment that we're in. This is a scary, spooky book. You know, in some ways, I truly believe this is one of the scariest books of the series, if not the scariest. Yes. The next. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's scary, genuinely scary things, like frightening things really happen. Aren't you guys excited to see, aren't you guys excited to see how it all goes so terribly wrong? And so Arthur, after they pull him out, Arthur's like, you got to be careful. It's why kids shouldn't be here. So it's only a couple more miles to the snow rise where the cabin is amongst a few pine trees and boulders. Isn't it Snow Ridge? He says it's snow rise in the book. I don't know what a snow ridge is, and I certainly don't know what a snow rise is. Because I Googled it. I was like, why don't you just say mountain for tit's sake? I don't know. What's a snow rise? I don't know. It's too cold. I'm cold. And Nicole says, it's it's probably negative 10 degrees, in fact. And Arthur's like really annoyed with the kids. When they finally get to the cabin, it's about 8 p.m., and he's like, we would have saved time without those kids and the uh, their accidents. And this musher's cabin is a tiny wooden shack with some broken down cots and a stove with a little lean-to behind the building with some hay for the dogs to sleep in. Also, they point out in this book that because it's Alaska or whatever, it's like sunny all day long for like 20 hours a day. So at 8 o'clock at night, it's still like bright outside. Uh, that would drive me crazy. I think that... Also adds the spookiness, to be completely honest. Yeah. So Arthur lights a fire. If I'm being completely honest. And they have a supper, and then they sleep in their sleeping bags. And in the morning, Dad, like, goes outside to check on the dogs or something. And they hear him saying, wow, this is incredible. And everybody runs outside, and there are monster footprints around Giant footprints that are at least as big as, like, five of Jordan's feet. And... Arthur turns very pale and really freaks out. And then Jordan starts laughing and Jordan's like, lol, it was just one of my pranks. I got up early in the morning and I carved out the footprints with my hands. Uh... And Nicole's like, Jordan, you crumb. How could you do such a thing? And dad's like pretty angry this time and is like not like, you know, doesn't Arthur's pretty go. mad too. He's like, "Oh, you think you're really funny? What? What you think you're funny? What about when you see the snowman? Will you be laughing then?" And then Jordan says, "The answer was no, definitely no." So they make their way towards that snow rise, um, where I guess you know the snow the snowman is supposed to be seen or something. I don't know. I don't know. And they encounter like a group of elk and dad starts taking pictures of the elk, but the, the elk hear something and they start galloping off very scared. And Arthur's like, we need to go back. We need to go back. Something's wrong. Dad's like, what? This is my job. I hired you to I find need this money. Snowman. I need to be famous. So we're going to keep going bitch. And they march for another couple hours. And they get to a stand of pine trees at the very base of the snow rise. And the dogs won't go any farther. The dogs all start barking and freaking out, all of them. Binko, Rocky, Tintin, and Lars. And their their fur is literally standing on end. And um, Arthur is like, no, no, something dangerous is near. Something dangerous. I won't go any farther. And Dad's like, um, 
we're going to keep going. You're asking for it. So, like, the dad tries to take control and, like, tell, tries to, like, grab the dogs and tell them to mush, but the dogs aren't having any of it because they only really trust, like, Arthur or whatever. And so Arthur's like, fuck this shit. And the dogs are like, fuck it too. And so, like, the dogs and the sled and Arthur kind of, like, turn around. And so, like, the dad and Jordan and, and Nicole have no choice but to turn around too because they don't want to go any further. So, hours and hours and hours and hours later, they get back and dad's like, hey, Nicole, um, Jordan, why don't you guys go out into the wilderness by yourself and get some firewood? But take this backpack with you because if something happens to you, you'll need that food to survive. And he insists they both take their individual backpacks. There also, this happens a bunch in this book where it's like the dad saying like, if something happens, and sometimes Jordan is like, what's gonna happen? And the dad's like, I don't know, bye. And they walk across the tundra to those tree, the tree, the nearest trees a couple miles away on a snow ridge. And they find a cool frozen stream. It's cool. And like Nicole, Jordan's like, I want to stand on it. And Nicole's like, don't. And they grab branches and they head back to tell dad that there's a cool stream for cool pictures. And then they have pancakes for supper. And then after supper, the dogs outside start barking and yelping. <gasps> What's going on? And then Arthur and dad go outside to check on them. And when dad comes back, he was like, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Arthur's calming them down, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave you guys here, and I'm going to go leave in the middle of the the bright night, and I'm going to go take pictures by that stream you guys were talking about. So Arthur stays with the dogs outside. The dad leaves to go take some pictures. It's bright outside, 8 o'clock at night, and so Nicole and Jordan are like, oh, well, we'll go to bed, but they both lie there, and they cannot fall asleep. They're wide awake. And so they decide to go outside and maybe just like, I don't know, build a snowman, but take their bags with them, of course, in case anything happens. Yep, in case something happens. And as they walk outside, they hear Arthur and, and, and see that behind the house, he is hitching up the dogs and taking all of their stuff and he scoots off with them. And they're hurry. like, Arthur, what? And he's like, mush, mush. And so Arthur, the dogs. Her, he leaves one dog behind. He leaves her. Lars behind. But the other three dogs and all their stuff and they're gone off into the white tundra. And so Jordan and Nicole race after him like, Arthur, where are you going? Like, you can't leave us here. And they chase after him, but he's going faster and faster and further away, further away till he's just a dot and they can't see him anymore. All they see is snow. And then they kind of look around and realize, oh, wait. We can't see anything but snow. We're lost. And it's snowing nonstop, too. Now, this is where it started, like we were saying, get really terrifying for me. Because yeah. I was like, oh, my God, this is so scary. So they, they're they like, what do we do? And it starts to snow pretty badly. Snow so hard that they can't see anything. So they just start, start screaming, dad, dad, dad. And they, they're, they're terrified and lost. And what is going on? And there's this one part where it's like, they held on to each other and they're like squeezing each other's arms and they're like, whatever you do, don't let go. And it was like, it was so loud, the snow and the wind. It's like they couldn't hear each other. But like, um, uh, Nick, uh, Jordan like feels Nicole's arm squeeze his back to let him know that she heard what he said. Ooh. I was like, wow, this is like epic drama. And then the next thing they know, the ground falls from beneath them and they fall hundreds of feet and no, i'm just kidding they just fall and fall and fall and smack into the snow and snow is pouring down on them and like what just happened they're stuck in a deep crevice deeper much than de- before much deeper than the other one and they're like what are we gonna do and they see these icy walls and they can't you know climb their way to the top and jordan's like dad will come find us yeah yeah he'll, he'll come find us he'll definitely be able to find us now and nicole's like no he won't he won't be able to find us dad dad so nicole dad. starts screaming for dad and but that, what happens when you screed something in the snow? Avalanche. Avalanche. We'll crash down like an avalanche. Crash down. Whoa. Crash down. Look out now. Don't take one more step. Whoa. Whoa. 
So it causes an avalanche. And they, like, shove their bodies up against the side of the ice wall to avoid... Snow is pouring down, and they're they're drowning in snow. Snow is choking this them, is suffocating terrifying. them. terrifying. So scary. Too scary. And they sort of push back through the icy wall, and it kind of crumbles through, and they tumble into a dark tunnel. And they see in front of them that whole crevice fills up with snow, and they are stuck in a dark tunnel. And they found Andrew's the head. And they found, the, they found the head of the headless ghost. Yeah. <laughs> And they just start, they're like, oh, well, I don't know what to do. So they start crawling through the tunnel and there's a little bit of light far off in the distance. They can kind of see. So there's like, there has to be a way out, but they realize that the the tunnel that they're crawling through is no longer snow. It's like rock. And they crawl into like what leads to a cave. And in the cave, they hear dripping water and see light. So they think there must be a way out of here. They see footprints really big ones. They're much bigger than the ones that Jordan had created as a joke earlier. And the big cave leads to sort of leads to sort of like a dark hole and they see right in front of them the, the abominable snowman. He stood upright like a human covered in brown fur. Black eyes stared out of an ugly face, half human, half gorilla. He wasn't that tall, about a head taller than me, but he seemed huge. <laughs> His body was thick and powerful with gigantic feet and fur-covered hands as big as baseball gloves. So he is like about five feet tall. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he's like, like we're taller than the abominable snowman of, Hassidy, of the Arctic Icknack. But And they start screaming and freaking out, but they realize that as he is standing in front of them, he's completely frozen in a block of ice. And they're like, what? Maybe that's how he sleeps. Maybe he's like a vampire. But his like mouth is like in an angry grimace, just frozen, standing there in the corner of this cave in this block of ice. He Which is powerful. kind of terrifying, actually. Yes. He had powerful legs with shorter claws on his toes. I, um, fur covered his whole face, except for a circle of hairless skin around his eyes, nose, and mouth. The skin was a pinkish red. His lips were thick and white and set in a mean-looking grimace. Oof. So they're like, okay, we've got to get out of here. So Nicole and Jordan search her way out, but they only find like a tiny little crack in the wall and nothing else. And then they hear a crack. (gasps) And it turns out the ice is breaking. Oh no, he's waking up. He's waking up. He's waking up. He's waking up. I feel it in my bones. And he breaks through the ice like glass and... Nicole and Jordan just run across the other side of the cave and he roars and roars and roars and stomps towards them and like tries to slash at Jordan with his claws and grabs Nicole's head and he's and she screams he's crushing me he's crushing me oh god is this so scary and then he turns Nicole around rips open her bag off her shoulders and with one claw and pulls out of the bag a tiny little thing of trail mix and he starts eating it and chomping it down and then he searches the bag for more trail mix but arg there's no trail mix left so then jordan's like uh trail mix who likes trail mix we figured out the abominable snowman he loves trail mix when where can we get him some more trail mix oh you know for our goosebumps party what we should have trail mix oh yeah i was thinking of like icy like like um ice like cones or something yeah we could do we could do like ice cones snow snow ice cones snow cones, that's snow cones yeah wow ice cones snow cones and trail mix that sounds fun that sounds good i'm always hungry okay we'll add it to the party <laughs> this party's gonna be so fun and jordan throws him his bag of trail mix and he eats all that trail mix and then after the no more trail mix 
he gets angry. So he comes towards Nicole and Jordan, picks them up with his hands, and raises them towards his mouth to eat them. Oh, um, no, not quite. No, not exactly. He instead puts the two of them in the crook of one of his arms, and Jordan, like, tries to fight him off, but he's, he's like, like, kicking and fighting, but, like, the five-foot abominable snowman doesn't even care. And he pushes aside a boulder, and then goes through another tunnel and into Nicole's a smaller like, cave. If only we'd seen that boulder, we could have snuck past it and gotten out. And, um, comes out of an opening in the ground easily scales his way up with one arm and carries him through the snow. And it stops snowing, by the way. And Jordan and Nicole are like, where is he taking us? Help, help. And Jordan tries to fight him some more and he just goes, and grips Jordan tighter. Ouch. And then they hear barking. Barking of 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 Lars, the one dog, probably the one dog that Arthur left behind. And when the abominable snowman hears the barking, he drops them gently, like kind of inexplicably, he drops them, and, and they then, just start running towards the sound. And they're too scared to turn around and look to see what the abominable snowman is doing, so they just run and run and run and run and run, and they make they see the cabin, they make it their way back to the cabin. And the barking is coming from the cabin. It is Lars, and they burst inside the cabin. They're like, Dad, 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 but nobody's there. The dad has died. And so like, oh no, fuck, like, what do we do? And then they start hearing stomping of footsteps outside. They're like, oh no. It's the, a monster. The abominable snowman let us go, but then he followed us here and he's going to eat us. So they like hide behind the stove in the cabin, like terrified out of their minds. And the door bursts open and it's the dad. And Mr. Blake's like, oh, what are you kids doing here? And they're like, dad, 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 dad. Arthur left with our stuff. Oh my God, we have nothing. And the abominable snowman, the abominable snowman, we found him. And he's like, that's not true. Yeah, the dad like so underreacts here. He's like, oh man, Arthur left. Kids, stop telling stories. There's no abominable snowman. Like, like, no, no dad, I swear. Check out the footprints. You'll see them. You'll see them in the snow. And he's like, ugh. I don't know, kids. I'm like, Dad, wouldn't he also notice that, like, they're, like, covered in snow and terrified and shaking and have been through some serious end-of-the-world shit? And, no, like, the, he doesn't notice that. No, of course not. He's, he's got to get the picture. He takes them... They uh, Nicole takes them to the footprints. They find footprints in the snow, and he's like, you guys could be faking this. And they're like, no, Fake we're not. this, Dad. So they follow the footprints back to the cave and, like, go down deep in the ground, and Dad's like, all right, let's go down here. I need to see this snowman if it's for real. <laughs> And he's like, Nicole, lead me down to the cave and I need I need proof and I need pictures. And, and like so Jordan is also kind of butthurt that because Nicole is like, no, there really is an abominable snowman that like the dad is sort of believing them. But Jordan's like, he don't he's only believing it because Nicole's saying it. And Jordan's like, this is a terrible idea. We should not go back down. Into I don't know cave. why the fuck we're here. Should we be more scared that Arthur left us completely alone instead of trying to find this monster that would try to murder us? The, the monster that tried to kill us. We should not go back down into his lair under the ground deep in like a cave in a tunnel. But he's like, no, we need to go back there. And they get get all the way back to that cave and see that the abominable snowman is back in the cave, frozen again. So somehow in the last five minutes, the, 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 the snowman went back under inside and got all frozen again? Like, what? What? And dad's like, hmm, so you're right. This is amazing. And starts taking tons of pictures and is like, this is great. This is so great. I love this. This is wonderful. How about, I have an idea. How about we just take him back with us to California? I bet if I could shave down the block of ice, he could fit into my supply trunk. What? 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 What the hell did you just say to me? What the fuck are you talking about? And Jordan and Nicole are like, no, that's a terrible idea, Dad. Dad, we should go. He attacked us. He's dangerous. He could wake up at any minute. And Dad's like, no, neither of you is hurt, right? 
And they're like, well, no. And he said, well, it's worth the risk then. And he was like, in the supply trunk, the you know, if we have, if we shave down the block of ice and we put him in the supply trunk and we fly him all the way back to California, it'll be fine because the snow won't melt because it locks airtight. I need to talk about this. Yeah. Um, first of all, is the abominable snowman that small that he could fit in any size supply tank trunk? Like what? This supply trunk, even if it's huge, has to be pretty small to fit an abominable snowman. And also, if you're going to fit an abominable snowman in a block of ice, girl, it's going to take quite a long time to shave down that ice and pick up a huge creature and put him in a trunk and get him back to uh, the airport and fly him back through security. I mean, even before that, how do we get the block of ice snowman into the trunk and then do we get him out of climb up out of the cave and then get and then take him to... 10 miles back to the Icknek airport. And what about and your, also, what, what about, about your all the supplies? supplies that were in the trunk? What are we going to do with those to get them back it's to California? Ludicrous. If you're asking yourself idea. those questions, like we are, I, I have some bad news for you. We don't have any answers for you. So they, this um, is where it goes off the rails. You guys It's like, what the fuck? They go back to the cabin, get an extra sled that was left by left behind in the lean to and take Lars. And they, Go make their way back to the cave. The dad gets himself a hacksaw. Gets a hacksaw, chops up the ice, and they somehow get him into the trunk. And then, I don't know. Get the trunk, literally, you guys, all the way back to California. This happens so shockingly fast. I need to talk about it. Yeah. They, Lars, the dog, and the dad pull the trunk up through like the cave or whatever with a rope, and he makes Jordan and Nicole push from underneath the supply trunk. Yeah. What? A six by three foot trunk filled with a block of ice and an abominable snowman inside. And while they're doing this, Jordan's like, this isn't so bad. You know, it'd be kind of cool because the sno- <laughs> the the ice will stay frozen inside the supply trunk, which I can't imagine that it would. No, I don't. That he doesn't was like, make any sense. He was like, let's sneak in a couple snowballs to bring back home. You That'll think, be cool. You think good old Nicole would step in at some point with some kind of logic or something here with all this entire situation. But she doesn't. So they sneak those snowballs into the trunk and they get back to the musher's cabin or whatever and it's and almost midnight at that point but it's still bright and outside and the dad's like let me use my radio transmitter and i'll call get a helicopter to come pick us up well no first he says like it then it hits him that their food is gone and they get back to the cabin and he's like oh wait we have to spend the night and then get up in the morning with no breakfast or no food how and am i gonna get rich and all famous like that he said i should probably call for help right now and he tries to search for his radio transmitter but can't find it and it's some dumb fake out and it turns out it, he left it in his sleeping bag and whatever so they send they radio the airport they send a helicopter and i'm not kidding you guys within that page they're back in pasadena yeah now we're back in california got it <laughs> and the supply trunk is kept in dad's dark room with a bunch of ice packs over it and the dad is like just gonna and figure the out the right person all the way up um to uh bring the snowman to yeah um are we even gonna talk about like the environmental like just taking an endangered species apparently and dragging it out of its like home we're and not sh- gonna talk about okay it. good so Nicole and Jordan are sunbathing outside with Lauren, loving the heat, forget, like, I don't ever want to see snow again. And they're, like, dying to tell her about what happened, and but they won't because Dad said they can't because what? And basically, he's, like, going off to L.A. to have a meeting with, I don't know, the right people to turn the snowman over to because he wants <laughs> the right people to take care of him. And I'm like, what are you talking about, the right people to take care and of so him? And so the dad leaves for his ambiguous get-rich, get-get-famous get, get, get famous, s- s- 
game and leaves the three kids there or whatever. And he's like, all right, kids, you know, don't tell anyone about this. And as soon as you leave, Jordan tells everything to Lauren. Immediately. And Lauren's like, I don't believe you. And Nicole's like, Jordan, dad told us not to tell anybody and not to touch the whatever. Like, we, we can't. No, what are you doing? And Jordan's like, I'll show, we'll just show Lauren quickly. We'll just open the trunk very we'll just, quickly yeah. and yeah, show Everything will be us. fine. Do you guys think this is a good idea? Is this where you thought this book was going to go? The Abominable Snowman of Pasadena, you guys. So they go into the dark room and open it just a little bit. And uh, as they open it, Jordan screams Ooh, and everybody uh, screams. He's like, just kidding. Bit. It's Ooh, fine. Uh, Lol. And Lauren sees the snowman is in a frozen block of ice, is totally blown away, completely believes them. And before Jordan closes the trunk, he's like, well, let's have some fun. He sneaks out the snowballs. And he hands one to, to Nicole. And as they get outside, Nicole's like, hey, Lauren, think fast and throws a snowball at her. Okay, so you guys, this is where a totally different book starts. Are you ready? This is the first chapter. So Lauren, throw, La- the snowball misses Lauren and it hits a palm tree behind her. But instead of hitting the palm tree and like smacking to the tree and like sl- slinking down to the ground and melting, the snow like attaches itself to the palm tree and it grows. It spreads to the top of the tree and down to the ground and snow starts spreading all over the place. What? And they're like, what? What is happening? This magic snow that's like replicating itself and like mutating and growing like monster blood, like monster snow. And Jordan's so shocked, he drops the stu- the the snowball um, in his hand and it hits the grass and then spreads over the entire backyard. And it won't melt and snow starts spreading and growing everywhere. And it won't melt. And they're like, oh my gosh. Well, and it won't clump. And they're like, um, that's kind of, ain't he won't clump. <laughs> and- I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I don't know what to tell you, you know, because where we come from and the neighborhood that we come from, it's ingrained in us, you know, but you have to know how to leave it behind and turn it on for television. I'm not saying to say, CoverGirl Lash Exact is so nice. You could still use soul. You could still say, and it won't clump. You know, you can still do that, but it's not, but it won't clump. You understand the difference? And they're like, oh, well, this makes sense because we weren't in a normal normal cave, so it shouldn't be normal snow. Yeah, I, I don't even know if I want to try to talk about the logic of like... There is no logic. There's nothing to talk about. Okay. And Lauren's like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I love it. Let's have a snowball fight and throw some snow at Nicole. And when the snow hits Nicole's body, it covers her entire body up like a snowman and she's frozen to death. Yes, this part is actually very, very scary to me. And thinking about this is super frightening because um, Nicole essentially dies because she's suffocated and covered thickly in snow with no way to breathe and no way to live. And they're like, oh my God, we need to warm her up. We need to melt they're the like, snow. Fuck, what we do we killed do? Nicole. What do we do? So the first thing they do is they drag her into the kitchen to turn the stove on and open the oven and have her stand in front of it to try to get the snow to melt. But it's not melting. And they're freaking out. They're like, it's not working. It's not working. What are we going to do? Nicole's dead. She's dying. She's suffocating. So then they take her to the furnace shed behind the garage. I don't know. Maybe that's near the compost heap. What is a furnace shed? I don't know. And I know what banish shed is. And they turn on the furnace shed, but nothing happens. The furnace, I don't know. And then Jordan's like, I have an idea. I remember when the, uh, when was the last time I was really warm? When the abominable snowman was carrying me, heat was radiating off his body. He was so warm. Maybe that could work. I know. Let's go back to the supply trunk 
and wake up the abominable snowman and hopefully the heat from the abominable snowman will defrost my dead sister. So before he can do that, he runs into the kitchen, grabs some trail mix. He's like, and then goes into the dark room and opens the trunk and shakes the trail mix in front of him. Like, dinner, 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 dinner. And he doesn't move. Nothing happens. The abominable snowman does not wake up. And then they hear a crick and a crack and he does wake up and he shakes off the ice and he goes, ooh, and grabs um, Jordan. And Jordan's like, no, ouch, leave me alone. And he's like, oh no, wait, he isn't grabbing for me. Of course, of course, of course. He's grabbing for the trail mix. I remember the mythology of how this snow- snowman works. He's brought to life by um, trail mix when it's around him. And when that doesn't happen, he, sh- he gets frozen to a block of ice, but then he always drops you when there's barking around. That's right. And then he eats all the trail mix and then he goes towards Nicole and they're like, oh no, he's going to crush her to death. And he picks her up and starts squeezing her and, and then he crushes her to death. Oh no, wait, he's just melting the snow off her body f- for her? So uh, I guess the Abomo Snowman is a superhero who inherently knows to hug snow covered people and then the snow like melts off and we see like Nicole's toes wiggling and it turns out she's fine. Yay, the Abomo Snowman saved the day. And the snow like drips off her body and disappears when it hits the ground and after she's totally, un- you know, totally thawed, he's he just kind of grunts like, oh, I did it. And Nicole's like, what happened? I don't remember anything. And they're like, let's go outside to warm you up. They forget about the abominable snowman. And of course, the abominable snowman runs past them and runs outside. And the abominable snowman, like, sees the snow outside and starts rolling around in it. He he hugs the tree first. And all the snow gets sucked off of the tree into his body, basically. And then he rolls around the ground and starts absorbing the snow around him until all the snow is gone because he sucked it up into his abominable snowman body. And then he absolutely loses his shit because he's an abominable snowman from from Alaska who's now stuck in California and there's no snow around whatsoever. Cruel and unusual punishment. And he's like, oh, God, ugh. Ah, the snow, like, I mean, I mean, the sun, the sun, it's too bright. And he um, just runs off into the sunset. Bye. Starts running off through yards and they're like, oh no, dad is going to be so upset and disappointed. Yeah, dad's going to be so mad. Because we did all the things he told us not to do. This is, it's just terrible. Yeah, it's really bad. And they're like, well, what do we do now? And and it's like, well, we got to get rid of those magic snowballs that we shoved in the trunk because we know they'll, they'll murder everyone in California and maybe the world. By covering them in snow. So it's like, what should we do with them? I know, let's bury them somewhere. Let's put them in plastic bags and we'll, we'll bury them in the empty lot across the street next to the Miller's house where Kyle and Kara live. If we bury them in the sand and the dirt in the abandoned lot, no one will ever find those snowballs there. So they do that. That. They bury it in the empty lot across across the street from the Miller's house. I know. Do we talk about them picking up the snow? Like, I don't even know. I don't know. Like, what? Like, so they can pick up the snow, but like, they can't. They can. I don't touch know. So they hands. bury it, and then Laura and Lauren and Jordan and Nicole go back and sit down inside, and and then Dad have comes, apple juice and, and watch TV until Dad comes home. And when he walks the door, he's like, "How's my snowman?" And then it cuts to them at dinner later, and they're like eating pizza, but like Jordan can't even eat because he's so upset or whatever. Dad's that he, like very disappointed. He's like, but I guess I'm glad no one was hurt. I don't know. This is terrible. And Nicole's like trying to make it up to him. It's like, I know the Obama snowman's on the loose somewhere in California, the Lost World 2 Jurassic Park, San Diego. But like, let's, you know, at least you got those pictures, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Those pictures will make you famous. They'll be more than enough. You'll get famous in the pictures. They'll amaze the world. And he's the like, dad's like kind of cheers up a little bit. He's like, yeah, you're right. He's like, and in fact, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go develop them right now. These pictures will cheer me up. They're historic. Historic! 
Yeah. So they immediately go to the dark room right then, start develop them, and as he develops them, he just, he looks and says, these are just pictures of snow. And Nicole and Dad are like, Jordan, did you take a bunch of pictures of snow? But he didn't. It turns out all the photos that he took of the tundra and the elk are okay, but any pictures with a snowman in it don't show up. It's just snow instead. So he has absolutely no pictures of the snowman. What? And Dad is very, very upset. And so Jordan and Nicole feel devastated and embarrassed and, and worried. So they just like leave the dad dejected and unfamous in the, the dark room or whatever. And as they go outside, they see Kyle and Kara in the empty lot digging up the snowballs. They must have, they must have watched them dig something in the ground and they're pulling it up. And he's... And Jordan sees like them opening the bags and Kyle picking up a snowball and he's like, no, no, don't throw it. Don't throw it. And Kyle throws it, throws a snowball at Kara. Now it's time for me to read the first paragraph and the last paragraph of the Obama snowman at Pasadena D plus all my life. I've wanted to see snow. Thwok. That's it. That's the book. You guys (laughs) wait. It starts off so strong and, and so, so terrifying and, so full, and epic. so interesting. And then it completely falls apart. It's just like, it's total trash at the end, you guys. Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I wish the movie had been more true to some of the, I wish there was that fun, like, trail mix stuff in the movie. <sighs> There's also know. a Goosebumps graphics novel. We kind of, like, obtusely talk about Goosebumps graphics novels sometimes on here. It's literally just, like, a comic version of it. Um, that's a little bit different. It's it's in one of the anthologies there, and it's instead it's um, what is it, Luis and Luis and Anna Garcia. Yeah, so it's a diff- their names are different, and it they're instead no of Jordan and Nicole Blake. And there's also no Kyle and Kara. They just keep Lauren. They keep pretty much the rest of the story, but and so at the end, it's just the dad looking at the photos, upset, and then it's just a picture of the abominable snowman loose around downtown Pasadena. In a way, I like that even more. But can you guys see now that we've survived this whole? experience how I think that literally Arl Stein thought of a really cool kind of sexy fun title the abominable stoneman at Pasadena and then had to kind of write backwards and kind of just make this thing work that doesn't actually really work I'd also like to point out that this is one of the longest books in the series yeah it is very long yeah wow you guys so how did it leave you feeling were you chilly or were you all hot and bothered I want some trail mix yeah I want to go roll around the snow and suck it up all up into my body I want a purple popsicle I want a what I want a mush Oh, I want to mush. <laughs> I don't know, you guys. Well, thank you guys so much for listening and joining us. I mean, hey, we, we go through all the Goosebumps here, book, books here in order. Some of them are going to be real winners, like The Haunted Mass 2 or The Headless Ghost. And some of them are going to kind of be slippery old clunkers, like The Abominable Snowman of Pasadena. But I love them just as much. But like we said like we said earlier, and we've said before, like things are going to start to get kind of weird and kind of edgy as the series goes on. Up next, we have How I Got My Shrunken Head. This is similar to Abominable Snowman of Pasadena where it gets fantasy adventure crazy. Yeah, this this next episode is going to be really, really nuts. If you want to talk about the Abominable Snowman of Pasadena or if you feel bad for Mr. Blake because all of his dreams didn't come true and now he's not going to be famous or you want to complain about like the mistreatment of endangered species like Abominable Snowman who should just be left alone in Alaska, we want to talk about it too. So tweet at us. My Twitter is irobotujane. This is Matthew, by the way. My brother's is Danny Mac 
seven six nine my instagram where we're posting regularly every now and then pictures of goosebumps stuff and and um shout outs on there um you can talk to us on there too my instagram is matthew underscore scott underscore montgomery and daniel's again is danny mac seven six nine also we love reading the emails that we get um, yes at welcome to deadcast at gmail.com please email us there um with questions comments anything um and if you got any more comments feel free to throw them on to itunes and, and if you want to write a review that'd be amazing too. Um, so thank you so much for listening, you guys. Mm-hmm. And we will um, see your shrunken heads next time. If, if you, you dare. dare.